All right, I want to talk this morning about a topic that is not typically talked about in church. And uh, we're going to talk about life as it is on a school bus. <laughs> I'm a school bus driver and have been for the past couple of years since I've been up here, and uh, it's been a real interesting experience. And uh, I know we have some school bus drivers here. Jim and Angel drove school bus for years, and Lawrence Bergman uh, still drives today. And any other school bus drivers here in the crowd, by the way? Anybody? Oh, Tom, that's right. Tom's a school bus driver. He still is. Anybody else, anybody here ever ridden the school bus? You got kicked off. We're going to talk about you specifically, in fact, actually. <laughs> that's right. My wife's a school bus driver. Where is she at? She drives the Mosey and around in the school bus. That's right which is an interesting experience to see that. But it may seem like a strange topic that we would talk about school bus driving and how being on a school bus is similar to living life. But, you know, I, obviously I have way too much time to think on a school bus. But, you know, the Lord has really impressed upon me to, to speak that today. And maybe this little video kind of uh, triggered that as well because of the, you know, the, the way things click in kids' hearts and kids' minds. And, you know, we're never really very far from being a kid. You know, we all think that we're children. I don't think any of us really feel our age, do we, for the most part? So with, let's, let's jump on the school bus of life here, and let's just see where this road takes us. First of all, the bus. What does the bus signify? The bus signifies the world that we live in and the journey that we're on. We're all together on the bus. Whether you realize it or not, we're all going to the same place. School. In the school bus, the destination is school, which in our life, it's translated death. <laughs> and there's no pun intended there, but, but we're, we're on the road to our eternal destination. On the school bus, it's school. In life, it's called eternity. We're all on the same bus. We're all moving in the same direction. We may, we may be there a little different there in our timing, but we're all on a purpose to go to school. That's why we're on the bus, to go to school. And we're all on the same journey here as we're riding the bus. So hang on. There's much more to this as we get going. Life is not just about living to die. However, my dad would say quite often, if you live long enough, you're going to die. But there's so many activities in life that we can learn from and we can enjoy. There's a lot of good activities in the process of living before we get to our eternal destination. There's a lot of activities that happen on the school bus before we get to school. We're going to talk about some of those a bit later. The bus driver, the bus driver in, in life, the bus driver is Jesus. Jesus is the bus driver of our life. He's responsible. The bus driver's responsibility is to pick up all the students wherever they live, and to take them to school. Likewise, Jesus' responsibility is to pick us all up wherever we're at and deliver us to eternity. That's what he does. He's driving our life. He's the bus driver of our life. Now, some would say that this whole road of going to eternity is many different school buses or many different ways. Or some would say many, all roads lead to heaven or all roads lead to God. Well, the Bible doesn't say that specifically, but it does say this. For those that say that all roads or all religions lead to God, the Bible does say this, that every knee shall bow, right? Every knee shall bow. Romans chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. 
It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So, yes, in, in, tr in reality, all roads lead to God. The only question is, what's he going to say when you get there? You're going to meet God. One way or the other, you're going to meet God, but what do you want him to say to you? <laughs> do you want him to say, welcome? Or do you want him to say, I'm not sure I know who you are? Um, because that's exactly what will happen, and, and he will send us by our choices to another place, not just heaven in our eternity. So there's a lot to talk about there as well. But let's talk about who are the students. The students on the bus, well, we all know who they are. They're children that live in the school district. And they are ranging from ages from five years old to kindergarten, and kindergartners all the way up to 18-year-olds, and there's boys and girls, and there's all different kinds of personalities, and they're all unique in their own special way, and some are more lovable than others. I will tell you that right now. If you've been a bus driver, you know some you like to love, some you don't necessarily like to love. But in life, that's the rest. That's just like every one of us. We're all ranging in ages from, from new birth to old age, older age, physically and spiritually. There's all a difference in variety of personalities. We're all unique in our own way. Um, and some are more lovable than others. So in, whether we're on the school bus uh, to school or on the school bus to life, we're all unique. The destination we're on, on the school bus, is school. On the destination in life, like I said, it's eternity. And uh, there's lots of opportunities. There's lots of opportunities while we're on the school bus to do activities in, in life. There's many opportunities to life at the same time. And the question that we all have is, what do we do when there's, with responsibilities? What are the consequences of these responsibilities? And, and you've got to recognize that the bus driver is pretty busy while he's driving the bus. He's not really a really good disciplinarian, or he really can't be too good, because he's, his, main re, his main responsibilities are, are just driving the bus. I mean, he's got to make sure that he keeps on the road first. First responsibility is keep the bus safe. And then in his spare time, he can make sure the kids are, are, are not misbehaving in the back. But he doesn't have the ability to discipline always at the, at the exact time that he should be or that he could be. So he has to keep track. The bus driver has to keep track of what needs to be done when the bus arrives to school. Because a, 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 a good bus driver does maintain control of his bus, but sometimes it has to come through a principal or come through a teacher or even come from a parent. Okay, so the bus driver then has to keep track of what's going on on the bus, properly record what's happening on the bus, and then report to the teachers and the principals and so forth to say, hey, Joey had a problem here. Uh, we need to deal with Joey, okay, when he gets on the bus. Now, the kids are hoping the bus driver forgets. By the time you get to school, they're thinking, now oh, he'll forget about it. Well, and many times, unfortunately, we do forget about it. But this journey of life that we're on is a journey called sowing and reaping. We will have to give an account at the end of our day because the bus driver, Jesus, never forgets. Very good record keeper. Very good at seeing what's happening. Matthew chapter 13, verses 49 and 50 tells us that at the end of the age, it says, the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, it's interesting to know that Jesus used the term weeping and gnashing of teeth in the Gospels seven times. Seven times he used the term, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know that we don't talk about hell very much anymore. We don't talk about the negative consequences of not being a good bus rider. 
We don't think about that. Why? Because it's not fun to talk about. Politically, it's not correct, quite honestly. We don't use the word hell unless you're cussing. But, you know, Jesus talked about hell quite often. In fact, he talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Do you know that? Jesus actually talked more about punishment, more about the, 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 re, uh, the warnings of eternal damnation, the warnings of eternal punishment, more than he talked about heaven. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Jesus talked about that so much? Was it because he didn't care about people? Was it because he didn't care how people felt? Why? Or do you think it because he loved them? And he didn't want anybody to go to hell. So the best way to help someone is to warn them about maybe the path that they're on. And I think that's why he did that. Why don't we do that more often? Why don't we speak about hell more often in churches today? Because it's not fun. You're all looking at me with daggers. Like, stop talking about it. Come on, move on. Let's talk about something good. Well, this is the most important thing we could talk about, in all honesty. It's just a warning, a warning about, guys, if you're not behaving on the boss, the principal's waiting for you, right? The principal could be the devil. Any principals here, by the way? <laughs> all right, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what the school bus is like. The school bus is the world that we all live in. We're all on the school bus. Whether we want to get on the school bus or not, we are a bus rider. And we all have a set amount of time to be on the bus. The bus is going to come to our house, it's going to get us to school, and we're going to have a set amount of time on the school bus. We don't know how long, sometimes, in this life that we have to be on the school bus. Some live longer than others, depending on their specific situation, and some students have longer rides than others. I, have, I pick up one, one child at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I pick another one at almost quarter to, quarter to 8. So there's a 45-minute ride for some of these kids. It all depends where you live, right? But, in the same, but, but life, though, is all coming to a final destination. Like those kids are ultimately all going to get to school. We are ultimately going to get to our eternal destination called eternity. Hebrews 9.27 tells us that just as people are destined to die once and after that the face of judgment. So we are going to die, folks, just, you, just in case anybody is questioning that fact. There is going to come a day when you're going to get to the school bus or you're going to get to school. You are going to get to your eternal destination. Death is unavoidable. It's appointed to every man. It's just a matter of time before the school bus pulls up and says, hey, time to get off the bus. It's all a matter of time. It's going to happen. So what are we doing on the school bus? Well, one of the first things that a good bus driver does at the beginning of the year is that he makes sure that every student understands the rules. There are rules on a school bus. Some of the rules are, let me read off some of the rules. Rule number one, observe classroom conduct. Classroom conduct. Observe classroom conduct on the bus. Number two, be courteous. No profane language. Number three, do not eat or drink on the bus. Keep the bus clean. Number five, cooperate with the, with the bus driver. Six, do not damage the bus. Seven, stay in your seat. Eight, keep head, hands, and feet inside the bus. Number nine, no fighting, pushing, or shoving. Number ten, the driver is authorized to assign seats. And then finally it says, have a safe trip. Now, isn't it interesting how there's ten, sets of, ten rules here? 
Isn't it interesting? Have you, have you ever heard of other, another set of ten rules? Maybe called the Ten Commandments, maybe? But what's the, what's, what is the purpose? Why are the rules on the bus important? Tell me. Somebody shout out. Why, are, why is it important to have rules on the school bus? So nobody gets hurt. That was a good answer, Jenna. Any, any other reasons why we have rules on a school bus? Structure. That we have organization. Quite honestly, the more structured we are, the more pleasant the ride is for everybody. Keep people safe. Enjoy the ride. It really helps us. I want to talk about some of the rules specifically here. Number one, rule number one, observe classroom conduct. Now, we're on a school bus, so why are we talking about classroom? Well, because in all honesty, riding the school bus is an extension of the classroom. Riding the school bus is an extension of the classroom. It's part of the learning process. And it's part of also of the reaping and the sowing and the reaping process. Because what happens in a school bus is remembered and dealt with later. But the reason that it's important that we teach kids to observe classroom conduct is this, we want them to think ahead. We want them to think about where they're going and when they get there, what's going to happen. If they can see themselves acting like they would when they're in school, then hopefully, hopefully, they can see riding the school bus is a, can be a productive part of their day. That it can be part of their learning process and it can be part of them to uh, obey the rules and not mess around and get into trouble. And if we can get them to think ahead, maybe they'll think about their consequences a little bit sooner as well. Likewise, in life, we're also instructed to keep our minds set on the classroom conduct, thinking about eternity. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because we're supposed to put our minds on heaven. And when I start thinking about my heavenly goal now while I'm on the bus of life, well, it can help me make good choices. It can help me understand a little bit better what's going on when I don't necessarily understand what's going on in life. Because when I can have that eternal perspective, when I can see things the way God sees things, to the best that I can, I might be able to understand why there are problems, so many problems in my life. Why do I have grief? Why do I have pain? Why do I have suffering? And sometimes when life problems get out of control, that I can see that they're really not out of control. That God really does have his hand in my life. If I can keep my eyes focused on the eternal things, then, then the temporary things of life aren't quite as important to me. I can hold loosely the things of earth, recognizing that eternity's coming. And that's the most important thing, is eternity. What's going to happen when I get to school? What's the principal going to say when I get to school? So it's important that we keep our eyes focused heavenward. And, and as I, the more I can keep my eyes focused on eternal things, the more productive and really the more enjoyable life can be here in the temporary while I'm on the school bus. A few more examples I want to just, or uh, rules I want to lump together. Be courteous, no profane language. Stay in your seat. Keep head and hands and feet inside the bus. No fighting, pushing, and shoving. These, these rules all relate to how one child interacts to another child on the school bus. 
And if these kids follow their behaviors, to Jenna's point, everybody is safer on the bus and nobody gets hurt. Now, let me give you an example here. Typically, the ones that I have the most problems with, I don't know about the other bus drivers, but the ones I have the most problems with are the kindergartners and the first graders because they just don't quite grasp it yet. Plus, they're so daggone quick. They are just jumpy. They're energized. They're excited to be on the bus. They have a tendency to jump from seat to seat. Uh, they say things they shouldn't say. They're pushing and shoving and, and pulling each other's hair and reaching over the seats and trying to steal somebody's hat. Or There's just all kinds of stuff. And, or even they're, some of them try to even hang their heads out the windows. You know, they want to get real close to the window. They can look out. And every time you hit a bump, you know, they hit their chin in the forehead. And what a great way to cut their chin. And so you're always, those little kids, man. And so this is what happens. Everything's fine. I mean, you're trying to get them to sit down. You're trying to get them to behave and all the things. And, and then this is something that happens. And this, this actually actually happened. So one of these kids was doing all the stuff I just described. And I was talking to him and multiple times telling him to sit down and, you know, look forward and look in your seat and stay where you're supposed to be and all this other stuff. Well, what happened to him is he got, because his head was down in the spot he shouldn't be and he was saying things and bugging the bigger kids, a bigger kid kicked him in the head. All right? So I didn't see it happen, but I heard about it. And all of a sudden, this little kid came running up to me. He says, bus driver, Billy kicked me in the head. Now, can I make a confession here? This is not what Jesus would do. But in my mind, I'm thinking, good, you deserved it. I really was. I was thinking, you deserved it. And so this is what I said. I said, it wasn't Billy. I'm making these names up. It wasn't Billy's fault that you got kicked in the head. Because if your head wouldn't have been down where his foot was, it, you wouldn't have been kicked. If your, foot, if your head was sitting up in the seat looking forward to where it's supposed to be, Billy's foot never would have got to your head. So I said, go back and sit down. Because he wanted me to get in Billy in trouble. He came up and he wanted Billy to be in trouble. And Billy wasn't the one that caused the problem. I called this revealed knowledge. This little kid had... He'll never forget that because he had a knot in the back of his head. I think what happened, I think, I think the kid kicked him in the head and then they hit his head against the, the, the metal part of the seat and it did put a bump in his head. I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, there comes a point, let's be real here. There, it gets to a point when you just, kids deserve it. All right. I can, I can edit. <laughs> Just the I don't care part. Okay. I'll take I really did care, by the way. I did care. I, I don't want to see blood on the bus. I sound like Donald Trump all of a sudden. I really did care. But at the same time, I wanted him to learn his lesson. And he's been a little better since that day, actually. Now, the rules, on, the rules on the school bus really are for our own benefit, right? They really are for our benefit. All the rules of Scripture are for my benefit so that I will have a safe trip here on earth and I will make it to the destination called eternity safely. And I, when I get there, I won't be sent to detention because I was messing around on the school bus. The rules really are important. When God says, no, don't do something, what he's really saying to you is, no, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. When we recognize the do's and the don'ts of God's word, 
They really are for our benefit. The rules aren't designed to stop you from enjoying life. Really, they're there to protect you from yourself and your own bad choices that you would make that would bring harm and destruction to your life. Because we all will have our head where it's not supposed to be. You will get kicked in the head in life if you have your head in the wrong spot. So keep your head where it's supposed to be. Keep on sitting in the seat, looking forward, doing the things, and you will enjoy the ride. Then you can have lots of fun. There's lots of fun things to do on the bus, by the way. The kids talk, and they have good conversation. They look out the window. They pay attention. It can be a good ride if you just pay attention. Okay, let's talk about the bus driver for a minute. What are some of the responsibilities of the bus driver? The bus driver needs to know the route. He needs to know where to pick the kids up. And he does this faithfully day after day. Whether the student is there to be picked up or not, the bus driver is there. Within probably one or two minutes every day, I'm on time. We're running our route. Within one or two minutes, we're there, regardless if the child's there or not. The bus driver is also able to navigate through some pretty bad weather. We have some pretty bad weather up here. It can get pretty snowy and pretty blowy and pretty icy. But you know, the bus driver's trained to get the bus safely on the roads, through the ice, through the snow, through the rain, through the hail, whatever it is, and get our kids to school. And there are some times and some situations where the driver actually needs to reroute, where we need to take a different route because of something. And so bus drivers are pretty good about that. What are some observations from the bus driver's perspective? What, what does the bus driver see? Well, the bus driver sees a lot that goes on in the bus. We've got this big mirror right here. And as I look up, I can see everything in the back of the bus. And some, most of the time, I don't think the kids realize that. I don't know why they don't. But the bus driver also can sense really a lot about the kid every time when they get on the school bus. They can sense the upbringing that's happening in that kid's life. They can sense what's going on in their home life. There's a lot of things bus drivers pick up. When a bus driver picks up students in the morning, I don't know about the rest of them, but what I like the best is when I say hello, because I try to say hello to every kid that gets on the bus, I love it when they say hi back. I love it when, when the kid's going to say, hey, hi. All you got is just, just a simple hello. It means so much to me. And it's interesting to know how the other students react to other students as they get on the bus. See, there are cliques. There are kids get on. There's friends. And one kid gets on, they know that they're going to go back and sit with their friends in the school bus. And that's all cool. And that's, that's great. And everybody's happy. And everybody's good. But then there are the undesirables that get on the bus. The kids that don't look so good. Maybe they, maybe they come. Maybe they don't smell so good. And believe me, kids can have be smelly. Huh. Man, can they ever... But what's interesting is that when an undesirable gets on the bus, it's interesting how the kids look. Because if there's a seat, empty seat next to them, it's amazing how big these kids get. They don't want the undesirable to sit next to them. And when they do, man, I've seen the frowns. I've seen the squirming. I've seen kids just, don't touch me. Don't you me you know and it's just amazing how the undesirables really affect the kids because they don't want an undesirable to sit and sit next to them because if they might touch them they might contaminate them somehow it really happens kids can be cruel kids can be really be, be, be mean to each other it's also interesting to note how that the young students are much more relational to the bus driver than the older students the younger students are much more relational to me. When they, first got, when they were first kindergartners or maybe in the grade school, I'm not sure what that cutoff is, but at some, you know, while they're young, they think bus drivers are kind of cool. 
And they get on, and they want to high-five you, and they want to give you a hug, and they want to, you know, that's really cool. But there's, they, there comes a, a switch. I'm not sure what age it is, but there comes a time when all of a sudden bus drivers are, no, are not cool anymore. In fact, you're looked down upon. You are one of the undesirables, actually. And they will not even look you in the eye when they get out of the bus. They will ignore you, and they won't talk to you anymore. There comes a time when, when they just um, don't even want to respond to you. Now, those are just some observations that I've observed on a school bus. How does Jesus, what are his responsibilities as the school bus driver of our life? Well, they're very similar to the school bus driver, actually. Uh, Jesus is faithful to pick us up every day without fail. He's there without probably even within that one or two minute window even more tightly than a regular school bus driver, but he's right there. He's faithful. He knows the route, how to get from point A to point B. He can navigate through all kinds of life's problems. He is not at all um, confused by weather or bad situations. If, if something comes up, he knows how to detour around. He knows how to take care of all life's issues without any problem. He's right there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells, talks to us about that. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Jesus is the perfect bus driver from that perspective. And, and what's interesting is, it is interesting, if, if you miss a, a stop, because sometimes you get distracted and you miss a stop, and as soon as you miss a stop, you know it, because all the kids are screaming, hey, you missed bus driver, you missed the spot. Or what's really interesting, too, is sometimes I've had to uh, re-navigate. And as soon as you do, as soon as the kids realize that they're not in the route anymore, believe me, they tell you, hey, bus driver, you took the wrong turn, you're going the wrong direction, go back over here, and they get all kinds of help. And some kids get pretty upset over this because they are so set in their route. Now, does, not, does that not remind you of your life in Christ? What happens when you get out of sync a little bit and Jesus says, hey, guys, we're taking a turn here. What are you doing? Hey, Jesus, you're going the wrong direction. Over here, come on, this way, you're, going, you're out of my plan. Aren't we supposed to trust the bus driver here? If we would just trust the bus driver and recognize that he has a way to get us to that eternal destination and he knows the best way to get there. We don't have to worry about Jesus missing a stop. We don't have to worry about him getting lost in a route because he knows the route pretty well. What are some of Jesus' observations of us as bus riders? You know what's the funniest thing? I have some kids who will call me Mr. Way. And some call me bus driver. Hey, bus driver, bus driver, bus driver. I respond back to them as, yeah, bus rider. <laughs> some of them get it. Some of them laugh. What are some of Jesus' observations of us? Well, I'll tell you what. I think Jesus really appreciates it when we tell him good morning. When you get on the bus of life every morning, we get out of bed. Before my feet hit the floor, if I say, hey, good morning, Jesus, I think he puts a smile on his face. I think he says, hey, that's my child down there talking to me. You know what? It, it makes me feel good as a bus driver. I can only imagine how much it makes Jesus feel good when we recognize him. I think Jesus is observing us as we relate to other people that ride life's bus. He knows that we have friends. He knows that we have people that we're comfortable with. And then he knows when those undesirables come into our life too. How are we reacting to the undesirables? Are we, are we reacting 
like the kids in the school bus to say, hey, don't sit with me. Don't touch me. I've got this seat reserved for my friend. I can't let you sit here. How do you respond to the undesirables of life? When a visitor comes to church that may not look like you or I, are you the first one to greet them? Are you the first one to say, hey, come sit next to me? Or do we say, ah, I got my own little reserve spot right here, just me and my cool guys. How, how about it at work? Do you seek out the undesirable at work? The guy that doesn't look quite like you, maybe doesn't work quite as hard as, or as important as you are? How do you handle that? I wonder if Jesus is grieved at times because he observes us mistreating those undesirables. I got to tell you, there are, there are some times where I just look at these kids and I, I swear they don't know I'm looking at them. But this one kid gets on and this and he'll sit anywhere. He doesn't care where he sits. And he's not a mean kid. He just, he's, just, he's, not, he's just an undesirable. I, I don't mean that in a negative way. You just get the context, right? But he gets on, and I'll tell you, when he sits next to these, some of these girls or some of these guys, the looks on their faces, it grieves me to see them frown and snarl and wiggle and they'll twist their shoulders. And, and I wonder if Jesus ever observes us doing that. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You got to know Jesus is watching. I wonder if we treat Jesus sometimes like the older students after we're beyond the thrill of our initial salvation. Remember when you were first saved? how you couldn't stop reading God's Word or you were so excited about sharing Jesus with somebody, all of a sudden there comes a point in your spiritual life where you hit a switch and maybe Jesus isn't so special anymore. Maybe, in fact, you're even embarrassed to be called a follower of Jesus. Maybe you look at Jesus as a bus driver being kind of an undesirable. Think about that. How do you treat him? When you get on the school bus of life, are you there to give Jesus the high five and say, hey, man, I'm glad you're driving the bus today. Glad to see you. Or do you kind of, kind of put your head down and don't really want the other kids to, to know that Jesus is your bus driver? You've got to wonder, how do we react to Jesus? Mark 8, 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Jesus is observing. He's very observant and he's watching. Who are the students? Let's talk about the students. Well, the students are us. We are those students. We range in age, personality, uniqueness. You know, life is like a one-room schoolhouse. We have all different ranges of intelligence, age, responsibility, all working together. We need to know that we need each other. I need you on my school bus. If I, I need my fellow students to be with me. I, I need you. How do we treat each other? We need the power of Christ to, to sustain us as we travel this road together. We're all together, guys. We're all going to the same location, destination, eternity, that some is going to come to us at some point in time. How am I helping you? Can I help you? Can you help me? 
the destination, school or eternity. Finally, we get to school. <laughs> and the bus driver takes a sigh of relief. Oh, my goodness. When we can finally get rid of those kids, 40, we're that, listen, we're talking 40 to 70 kids on a school bus. When my bus is full, I can have 72 kids on my school bus, and there are times where I have three in a seat. And by the time when I'm to school and ready to let them off, I am glad they're getting off. They've been cooped up in this traveling tin can for the past hour, some of them, and they're ready to get off as well. But for the student getting to school, understand that the accountability is just starting for them. Remember why we said in the school bus that it's the driver's, the driver's primary concern to keep the bus safe? He doesn't have time to do the disciplinary actions immediately. Yeah, he, if he has to, and I've done it, stop the bus. I've actually stopped the bus, turned the key off, and all of a sudden people start realizing what's going on. The bus isn't running anymore. Everybody gets kind of scared. But most of the time we are just having to drive the bus to get to school. And the kids are all hoping that the bus driver forgets the bad things. They're hoping that the consequences will be delayed. But sometimes in life, that's the way we look at Christ. We look at the way our life too. You know, the Bible, Jesus talks about a parable in life. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. He talks about this parable of seed in a, in a, in a field wheat and tares, and how they grow together until he separates them. Let's read this. Jesus told them this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go out and pull them up? No, he answered, Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. On the school bus, we have all kinds of kids. In life, we have all kinds of people. We're rubbing shoulders with Christians and non-Christians all the time. You're not to separate yourself. You're to live life together because you're hoping that the hope is that like Paul, like we can be like them so that we can win some of them. We're there to win them to Christ. We're, them, we're there to bring as many into the fold as possible. We're not to separate ourselves. What's important for us to recognize is that the activities on the school bus will be accounted for when they arrive at school. For those students that need a discipline, this is where the reaping begins. <laughs> They're all hoping that we forget, but we don't. Neither does Jesus. Finishing that parable, Matthew chapter 13, 49 and 50, this is how Jesus finished his parable up. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. 
A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Jackie, if you'd come. I want to conclude this little analogy here. But the questions that I want to ask us is, what do you want your eternity to be like? What do you want your eternity to be like? When you get to school, what do you want the teachers, what do you want the principal to say to you? Jesus is a good and fair bus driver. He's faithful, he's dependable, he's accountable, and he's a perfect record keeper. He will not forget, nor will he exaggerate a good deed or a bad deed. But he will be sure that each one is awarded appropriately. Isn't that the judge you want to have in your life, quite honestly? I've heard many complaints, <laughs> being a bus driver, that something isn't fair. Or Johnny keeps changing seats. Or Susie's eating on the bus. But the reality is the one that's doing most of the complaining or most of the tattling are also the ones doing most of the bad stuff. They all seem to think that if they're able to get the driver's attention focused on somebody else, that they're going to not have to pay their penalty. How many times do we go through life thinking that we're being graded on a class curve? All I've got to do is be better than Johnny. As long as I'm better than my neighbor, God's going to be okay with me. Well, let me just tell you, folks, as clearly as Jesus told his people, there is no class curve. We're being judged by a standard called God's Word. And God's Word is very true. And it's very straightforward. And those rules are not meant to burden you. Those rules are meant to free you. We talked about it in Sunday school, that the most freeing place to be is following the commands of God's Word. As I follow God's Word, I will be safe in my journey. And I will have a good outcome for my destination. But if I'm not following God's word, if I think I can be messing around on the school bus of life and get there and not have accountability, can I just tell you, please, can I just tell you that that's not what it's going to be about? And I don't want to be, I don't want you to tell me, Mike didn't say I don't want you to know that in this church you did not hear the truth of God's word proclaimed very clearly. It's a simple message. Salvation is a simple message. It's not complicated. It's not hard but it requires determination and it requires diligence and it requires record keeping. It requires living for eternity. It requires keeping our eyes focused on Christ. I want to give us all an opportunity this morning to make sure. I want all of us just to close your eyes if you would. And just make sure this morning where you are on this road of life. This is a great opportunity to examine your own heart. Where are you at this morning? Do you need some things to be taken care of? Do you need some confessional time with the Lord this morning? Do you need to take care of some things in your life? Because your day's coming. It won't be long, and we're going to be stopping. It's not going to be long. We're all going to be getting off at the school. So this morning, while all eyes are closed and heads are bowed, this is a very serious time. This morning, if there is anything you need to do in your life, would you just raise your hand to the Lord right now and say, Father, just I need some cleaning up. I need some things changed.
I need some help in some areas. I see those hands. Amen. These are important things, folks. This doesn't mean you're not on the bus. It means you just need to be directed on the bus. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for honesty. We thank you, Lord, that we're not trying to lie to you. It's no fun being lied to, is it, Jesus? As a bus driver, I've had a lot of kids lie to me. It's no fun. I'm going to give you one more chance. Listen, you can't hide anything from the Lord. I'm just telling you right now, you cannot hide one thing from the Lord. If there are some things that you need to take care of, if there's this rumbling in your spirit, it's a simple thing to obey. As we close, the altars are open this morning. We're going to sing the song that Jackie's playing. If you need to take care of something, do not get on the bus again until you get this taken care of. I'm going to leave the altars open. Come on up. We'll pray with you. But you need to make a public acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is your driver and you're not embarrassed of him and you're not ashamed of him. Amen. Jackie, would you lead us? The altars are open this morning and we'll pray with you as you come. it's important that you know that life is hard and that the simple thing called salvation as simple as it is requires more than just saying something in this church service this morning it means that you have to live your life differently when you get to the world if you think that you're going to live a life satisfying to the Lord and be like the world can I just tell you that it doesn't work that way you have to be set apart. You cannot live a life that is in agreement with the world's standards and be acceptable on that day called eternity. If you're not set apart for Jesus, 
Seriously. If you're not living your life different than the world's living their life, if you're agreeing with what the, all this political jargon is about same-sex marriage and, and, and equal genders and transgenders, if you're thinking that that's okay, can I just tell you that there's, a, there's something there that's not quite right? We have to be set apart for Jesus Christ. And it's more than just I say that I am. I have to be living in it. And I have to be declaring it. And I cannot and I cannot be ashamed of Jesus Christ. If I'm ashamed of who Jesus is in my life, if I can't give him the authority that he has in my life, then he has no responsibility to get me to heaven. Do you understand that? I must give him authority if, if I'm going to give him responsibility. I know this sounds like a hard word, and I know it sounds like I'm a little upset. I'm not upset. I'm just concerned. I want everyone here to know that they must give Christ the authority in their life to change their life, change your path. And if you're on the right path, that's great. And I know many of us are. But that doesn't mean we need tweaks along the way. It doesn't mean we need to be corrected here and there a little bit. We need to be teachable in all steps, in all ways. Amen. So this morning, as you go to your homes, the altars are still open, by the way. But if you go, you're welcome to leave. We're going to pray. We're going to pray dismissal prayer. And I'm going to pray God's blessing over us all. But as you go throughout the week, if you're convicted, listen to the Holy Spirit throughout the week. Don't think it's over just because you walk out the doors. If the Holy, Spirit's, if the Holy Spirit is with you here, he'll be with you out there too. But don't shut him down. Listen to him. Father, we just come to you again in the name of Jesus, your son. And we declare your mercies and your grace over us. And I declare blessings over those faithful followers here because there are many. But Lord, we all need tweaks. We all need to know that we all need to be corrected every once in a while. Help us to be correctable. Help us to be teachable. And for those here this morning that haven't experienced that yet in their life, God, I just declare, I pray that your spirit would go with them and just, just bear with them. Love them. Correct them. Let them choose you. Choose life. Yeah. Choose you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to go. You're welcome to pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.